You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I am the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you carved out 25, 30 minutes and change to study the Word of God alongside us. Now, for those of you that may be joining for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series titled Wild Unity. The Bible says where there's unity, God commands His blessing. And we kind of opened with this big idea that no matter how charismatic the leader or how clear the vision is, you cannot make people unify. Unity is an individual choice, meaning that each and every single one of us have to decide to unify behind that vision. And so we've been taking the time to unpack the things that can stand in the way of us unifying as a church, the weeds that choke out the Word of God and prevent us from coming together, the things that divide us. And so we opened up with gossip uh, that, you know, that is a, a sin that many of us may say is a weakness in our lives as we compare it to, let's say, adultery. But the Bible says these six things the Lord hates and the seventh is an abomination, those who sow discord among the brethren. So we make um, a mistake when, we, when we're casual about the things that God hates. And God couldn't use a stronger word in the English language than abomination. And then last week we talked about cliques, certain groups that kind of formulate together, but then ostracize other people. And, you know, we talked about how the cross is the great equalizer, rich, poor, all different backgrounds and walks of life. We are all adopted into the family of God. And so we need to make sure that we aren't, uh, entering into cliquish behavior. And today we're going to be talking about the tongue, okay? And so we're going to be talking about how we utilize that tongue because the Bible has a lot to say about our speech. And so to open up about the tongue, I'm just going to give you a few uh, interesting statistics or facts rather. The tongue, it's the only muscle in the body that functions without help from your skeleton, which is pretty interesting. It's considered the strongest muscle in your body and the most sensitive. So imagine that juxtaposition, the strongest and the most sensitive. And much like a fingerprint, your tongue is actually unique to you. So there are no two tongues that look alike. And so what an interesting muscle that the Lord has entrusted to us that is the strongest and the most sensitive, that my tongue is unique to me. It is much like my own fingerprint. And so to kick off in scripture, we're going to look at Proverbs 18.21. This is very quoted scripture. The tongue can bring death or life. But then it goes on to say, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, when you hear that, you think, ooh, like that's a stern warning. But again, he opened up by saying you can speak life and death. So those who love to talk will reap the consequences of what? 
whether we choose to speak life or we choose to speak death. So there are good consequences. If I go to the gym and I exercise and watch my diet every single day, I'm going to reap the consequences. So sometimes reap has that negative connotation, but I'm going to reap the consequences of being swole and looking amazing and feeling amazing. But on the likewise, if I choose to eat junk food and lay on the sofa and Netflix and binge watch, okay, I'm going to reap the consequences of that. So the writer of Proverbs is telling us, look, you're going to reap the consequences of whether or not you speak life or you speak death. Because we all are going to talk. We all have to talk because communication is the foundation of any relationship, including our relationship with the Lord. And so we must be talking to God and hearing from God. The question comes, though, how are we going to choose to use our words? And the Bible warns us in Ephesians 4, 28 and 31, and I'm just going to prepare you. I'm going to be sharing a lot of scripture because, again, the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. The Bible warns us about this. And I want you to think to yourself, when was the last time you heard this scripture? This is something that, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time studying. But it says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead of all of those things, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. There is so much in that scripture that I, that I want to unpack, but I want to jump up where he tells us, don't use abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. And then he says, because you don't want to bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Another translation says, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing that our speech, our words, our language has the potential to grieve the heart of God, to grieve the Holy Spirit? Now you say, what, what is that? Well, I want to make the distinction between grieve and love. There's not one thing you can do to make God love you any more than he already loves you. And there's not one thing you can do to make God love you any less than he already loves you. He loves you. But you can grieve his heart. I love my children no matter what. But there are things that they do that grieve my heart. And the Bible is instructing us that our language, our words, which carry the power of life and death, when we choose to speak death, it grieves the heart of God because you're speaking out against other image bearers, other sons and daughters of God. So what is unwholesome 
talk or corrupting talk, right? That's a good, a good question we should ask ourselves. Well, Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, outcry, and slander, along with every form of malice. Ephesians 5.4, <coughs> excuse me, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or crude joking, which are out of character. And then Ephesians 5, 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such words, the wrath of because of such words, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And so our words carry a lot of weight. And there are many ways that we can grieve the heart of God. And we can use our words. Um, in a foolish, in foolish joking, in gesturing, in needling our brother. And it says that it grieves the heart of God. We can use our words for malice and to speak down and to attack and to be combative. And that hurts the, the heart of God. And so basically Paul, who wrote the Ephesians, is giving many different um, is giving many different examples of how we can use our words to speak death. And this is kind of where I want to uh, camp out for the next few minutes. Um, one of the ways that I've seen this play out in the Northeast is through sarcasm. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about um, today. If you spent any amount of time in the Northeast, um, you know that no Northeasters, is that how you say it? Um, their sarcasm is as thick as their accent. It's just a way of communication here, but that doesn't necessarily make it okay and right. Just because that's the way that you are raised, just because that is familiar to you, does not mean that that is the way that God wants you to move forward. And so, as Paul warns us, we have to examine ourselves. We have to make sure that our lives and our speech and our thoughts are aligned with the Word of God. And, you know, as I unpack this, when I gave my life and surrendered it to the Lordship of Jesus, okay, there are many things that fell off me. Alcoholism, drugs, um, a lustful spirit, all of these things, uh, swearing just completely fell off of me. I was delivered the, the moment I gave my life to Christ, but there were other things that had taken deeper root inside of my heart. You could almost say were a part of the way that I was raised. And those things, through the process of sanctification and being in God's word, I had to uproot and get rid of as the Holy Spirit exposed them. Are you with me? So one of those was sarcasm, okay? It was a huge blind spot for me. Because let me take you back. Anybody that's from the Northeast, and some of you may be watching this and you're not from the Northeast, but let me just kind of bring you into the mind and the psyche of someone that is from the Northeast. I prided myself with my sarcasm as being um, witty and quick on my feet. It was almost like a challenge if I could outwit the person that was taking digs and speaking in, in a derogatory manner towards me. In fact, the people that I was closest with, I would rip on the most, okay? So I would dog them or I'd speak down to them, but they would know that I actually cared about them by how much I 
dug on them. And I know this is like sick and twisted. And if you're watching this from like Kansas, you may say, y'all are crazy. And you're right, we are. But this is the way that people communicate here. So the people that are watching this that are from Maine are going, yeah, absolutely. I totally, I totally get that. So it was a huge blind spot for me when I gave my life to Christ in Colorado. And this is how I communicated. And then I realized that as I started to open up to this, there were a lot of people that I was in life with proximity that didn't like the way that I talked because I was cutting, because I was demeaning, because I was speaking down to them. And so let's go ahead and define this word sarcasm. Sarcasm, defined in the, in the Oxford Dictionary, is the use of irony to mock or convey contempt. And sarcasm actually comes from the Greek word, it's a verb, sarkeesian, which literally means, get ready for this, to tear flesh. So we get our word sarcasm from the root word sarcasian, which means to tear flesh. So our words are, are, are to convey contempt, to tear the flesh of the ones we are speaking to. Sarcasm is, is, is hostility wrapped in humor. It's, it's lightheartedly being hateful. And I know that like those two, two words don't make sense, but it's going about it in this, in this approach that it's okay. It's ultimately a sign of emotional immaturity. And I was emotionally immature. And I think that many of us that have kind of held on to this, it's a way, it's a guard, it's a shield from us being able to communicate our true feelings. You know, in the Northeast, you have to have thick skin, right? Physically, because it's freezing here. But then also emotionally, just because of the way we, we've, we've um, chose to speak to one another. But, my, but saints, it should not be so. We should be mature enough. We should be man enough. We should be woman enough to be able to be honest with our feelings. So instead of cutting and jeering my best friend, I should be able to communicate in words, look, I really appreciate you. I esteem you. I love you. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Instead of, you know, hiding behind a mask of sarcasm to communicate to him how much I love him. It's like a sick and twisted way of showing your love for someone. Sarcasm condemns, it judges, it shames, and it isolates God's image bearers because you don't know what that individual is going through. And so I can believe you should know that I love you because I'm dogging on you, but you have no idea what they've been going through. And those words that you're hurling at them can actually begin to take root in their psyche and taint the way that they view themselves. And this is why God hates it. And this is why it grieves God's heart because you're speaking to an image bearer of God. You know, the Bible instructs us um, in, in Proverbs 31, 26, that the law of kindness should be on our tongue. The law of kindness. And there's nothing kind about sarcasm. In fact, Cassandra Clare said it like this, and I love this. Sarcasm is the last refuge of the imaginatively bankrupt. I hope I said that right. Let me say it again. Sarcasm is the last refuge of the 
imagine, imaginatively bankrupt. Obviously a tongue twister. Um, but I love that because it's in, in something that I prided myself as being imaginative, as being witty, as being quick on my feet. This author is actually saying, it actually shows the opposite. It actually shows you that your words are hollow and that you haven't engaged your imagination um, in the way that you communicate. Sarcasm can prick, it can poke, and it can wound. It can draw the blood of the people that you're speaking to and leave real emotional scars. It usually provokes a laugh from the audience, but after all is said and done, it leaves a knife sticking in the back of the target of the barbed remarks. And sarcasm in the pulpit is even worse because it's an invitation to the congregation to be unkind. And remember, as I just read in Proverbs, that we should have kindness on our tongues. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It was the kindness in that service from that preacher speaking on the goodness of God that led me to give my life, to bend my knee to the lordship of Jesus. It wasn't the cutting, jeering sarcasm that was coming from the pulpit. And we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, meaning that we use his language. And kings don't talk like that. And so our language should represent and reflect our king. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15 to speak the truth in love. Now, many people will hide behind sarcasm in saying, but what I'm saying is right. So, you know, I'm speaking the truth. Yeah, but you're doing it in a way that's condemning people, that's shaming people, that's robbing them of their identity and robbing them of a future and a hope. There is a right way to be right, and sarcasm isn't it. The Bible says in 2 Peter that we should honor everyone, honor all men, honor all women. That word honor means to regard with great respect and great esteem. Not just respect and esteem, but great respect and great esteem. So sarcasm has no place in the vein of honor. Worse, it erodes empathy. So those that were supposed to mourn with those who mourn, to try to understand where they're coming from so that we can reach them with the love of Christ, it erodes that because it makes them a caricature, a punchline, rather than having a heart that bleeds for them like Jesus' heart. There's a quote that I always think of when I talk about empathy. It's from DMX in my days in the 90s of listening to Rough Riders, but it says, wear my shoes, hurt your feet, and then you understand why I do dirt in the street. And so what DMX was trying to convey is that you see, you know, the, the fruit of my works, but ask yourselves the question, why am I in these works? And so empathy helps us understand where people are coming from so we can deal with the root of the problem rather than the fruit of the problem. But when you... When you characterize everyone 
right? And you make a caricature of them inside of your head, then you can just start to throw darts at them through sarcasm and you don't have a heart that really wants the best for them. See, Colossians 4, 5 instructs us, walk in wisdom towards outsiders and make the best use of your time. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I just want to, that instruction, let our speech be seasoned with salt. Salt is a preservative. Our speech should be grounding people to God's word. It should create a space where people want to hear what you have to say, not run in the opposite direction, not tuck their head down in shame and condemnation. See, Luke 6.45 takes it to another level. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I want you to think about that. You know, I'm picking the words and the way that we say it, but ultimately, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we speak, you know, in sarcasm or when we jeer and we're cutting to our friends, it's really indicative of a deeper problem. Going back to that analogy, it, that's the fruit, and it's bad fruit, but there's a reason that that tree is producing bad fruit. There's a reason that that tongue, the strongest and the most sensitive muscle, is speaking and sharing those words, and, the, and, and it's a reflection of the condition of a man's heart. And this is why the Bible instructs us in Proverbs, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. And your speech is indicative of a problem where something is taking root inside of your heart that's going to lead you astray. It says, avoid all perverse talk. So here it's talking about your heart. You got to guard it. You got to be careful. You got to protect it. Okay? Because it determines the course of your life. So you're like, man, I got to protect my heart at all costs. And then it goes on to say, avoid all perverse talk and stay away from perverse speech. So you want to guard your heart? Stay away from perverse talk. Stay away from perverse speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, fix our eyes on him. As we behold him, we become more like him. We begin to speak like him. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path and don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So what a warning to guard our heart. And let me just go ahead and define that heart in, in the Greek. I mean, I'm giving you tons of information, tons of definitions. It's from the Greek word cardia, and it literally means this. So when you think of a heart, you think, dun, 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 dun. 
when the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about much more. It means your mind, your character, your inner self, your will, your intentions, the center of who you are. So when the Bible instructs you to guard your heart above all else, it's saying you have to guard your inner self, your will, your intention, your character, your mind, the center of who you are. And then it says, if you, if to do this, watch your speech. Watch the way that you talk. Because if you're speaking like this, it means that there's Something has access to your heart. And I'm just going to take it back to Sunday school. Um, there's, a, there's a song or a poem. I don't even remember what it was. But as soon as I share it, you're going to remember hearing it somewhere along the, the way. So, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because the father up, there might be another verse, but the point is, is that we were teaching our children to watch what they put in front of their eyes and watch what they allow to come into their ears. Our ears aren't garbage pails. And so we shouldn't allow that, cor that corruption and that corruptive speech to come into our ears and, and to come into our eyes. And so I'm not saying this to be legalistic, but I'm just telling you that there are times that I've watched certain movies that I knew I had a check because the language was so perverse and so foul. And I knew that as I continued to watch, I could, I could, I could sense I was grieving the Holy Spirit. And there was just something in me that was like, turn this off, turn this off. And you know what? I'm just going to be dead honest with you. There are times that I've ignored that. But I like to believe that now there, when I sense that, I know that it's the, it's, the, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I turn it off because it's not worth me. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to be as close to him as I can. And again, it's indicative of a problem. If I'm comfortable listening to that, then I'm going to be more comfortable in using that type of speech, right? And so I have to be careful of what I watch and I have to be careful of what I allow into my ears because in the heat of the moment, or even in just my everyday regular life, I'm going to reflect what I've allowed to come into my eyes and come into my ears and ultimately fill my heart. And that's why it's so important that the Bible says, David said, I hid your word in my heart so that I would not sin against you. I meditate on your word day and night. It's so important to us, for us, to listen to God's word, to listen to worship, and to avoid certain television shows, movies, songs. I mean, people could, you know, like that's legalistic, but I'm just telling you right now, it wouldn't be legalistic for me to tell you that you shouldn't be eating a Big Mac and a Coke and French fries every single day, right? You shouldn't be surprised if you're, if you gain weight, if you continue on with that diet. That's not legalistic, right? That's not being mean. That's helping you. So I'm telling you, you need to avoid that perverse speech in, in guarding what's in your ears and what comes into your eyes. Now, what I'm not talking about is if somebody comes into the church and they're using that kind of language and you're like, oh, I can't be around that. That's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. What I'm telling you is not to feed on it. You shouldn't be feeding on those things because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
And so I encourage you to take an inventory of your speech. The Bible says to watch it because it's indicative of a bigger problem. And if you've found that, man, I'm really comfortable with this mode of communication, I would just, add, I would just instruct you to invite the Holy Spirit into illuminating where you have allowed access and to help you to uproot these things. It took me time as I realized that, you know, this isn't the way that I'm supposed to talk, especially as a pastor when people are opening up and being vulnerable and I'm cutting them down or I'm being sarcastic with them. I really have the potential of harming them. And so I have to be careful and to make sure that my speech is seasoned with salt. And not only me, but all of us that are coming in contact with people. And so I want to take the next minute and pray over you. Pray that God will illuminate these areas that are tainting your speech, that are causing you to veer your tongue towards death. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that is watching this, that is listening to this. I pray that you would give them a revelation of your love and that you would give them discernment, sharp discernment to be able to see and to recognize things that are damaging or tainting the way that they see others and that they would be able to watch the words that come out of their mouth, Lord, and that they would be able to, above all else, guard their heart, for out of it flow the issues of life, Lord. And I just pray that they would be able to trust you in this area, that they'd be able to see growth in this area, and that they would be able to uh, use their tongue to speak life over those inside of their sphere. And God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Until next time. Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.